That's okay. And then I'll come up during that time. Okay, so if you will pray with me. Holy Spirit, I invite you to make your home within me and to change me at the very core. I confess that I have not lived a life that is pleasing to God, but I want to learn. I know that you will lead me to new life through your word. Let the change that you make within me be revealed in the manner of my living. Amen. So, lesson today is, oh, are you doing, I didn't have that word. Yay, bless you. Thank you. Well, I have the pre-bulletin. Oh, okay. But thank you. I'm sorry I stole your thunder. You no, can pray that again if you need to. No, that's fine. I'll let it go as it is. <laughs> Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47, the first converts. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed this, his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, life among the believers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In our reading of scripture today, we hear of the early church and how they lived out their lives together. Last week in my message to you, I talked about how reluctant we are to try new things and to go to new places. I used myself as an example, talking about my reluctance to go to Planet Fitness, despite needing to go, wanting to go, and being invited to go. Just like we know folks who want to go to church who need to go to church, and who we invite to come to church, yet they don't come. After my sermon, my community rallied around me. It is amazing how many fitness consultants I have. 
I had people who offered to take me to Planet Fitness, those who told me of the wonderful hydro massage beds and the red light that I could use. People offered to go with me and work out together. Some lectured me about going consistently once I did go. Thanks, Darren. And one said that I need to wear my tennis shoes to church because she was gonna pack the pews and fulfill my challenge and we would head out. You might think that I regret using myself as an example of how we hesitate to step out of our comfort zones. And maybe, maybe I do a little bit. You might think it's an error to be transparent and, and maybe I thought so too. But then when I think about it, I don't truly agree. You are my community. You're my friends. You're my brothers and sisters in the faith. So I can't, if I can't be transparent with you, who can I be transparent with? And your response to me was perfect. When you see someone who expresses an area that they need help in, you responded. You offered to go with me, to teach me, to partner with me, to be in community with me. You put action into our friendships. You acted as my community and community is important. We are built for community. We know from the creation story that God said it is not good for humankind to be alone. We know that Jesus lived in his community with his disciples and his followers. We crave community. We respond to others' cravings for community. The disciples in our scripture reading today show what community in the early church looked like. The scripture begins by a call to the community to become baptized in the name of Jesus. And legions of people followed that call. And when they were baptized, they truly became a community, a community with the triune God receiving the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that day when 3,000 people were baptized in the name of Jesus? Oh, how glorious that sight must have been. In addition to being community with the Holy Spirit, with the Creator God, and with Jesus, they also became community with one another. I know from teaching within our churches that when you go through a spiritual learning experience together, you are knit together in a special way. I can imagine all of those who were baptized together felt a special connection to one another that only they would share. Acts says that these new disciples, this new community, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. <laughs> and clearly these people were Methodists. I mean, this sounds like the first potluck. They learned together, spent time in fellowship together, they ate together, and they prayed together. They grew in their faith together within community. The roots of the early Methodist movement reflect this same sort of community. When John Wesley and other Methodists began meeting, they implemented small groups as a foundational principle of their movement. These small groups very much reflected the community that we read about in Acts today. In Wesleyan small groups, the participants tried to show evidence of the fulfillment of the general rules that John Wesley asked all to live by. 
Wesley believed that Christians are called to live by three general rules. The first is do no harm. The second is to do good to all people. And the third is to attend upon the ordinances of God, like participating in worship and communion, reading the Bible and praying. By living these rules, we become committed lifelong learners and worshipers. These small group communities required a deep level of care for one another. These groups called for an environment of integrity and trust. This was the place that you should be able to come and be honest, come and ask questions, share struggles or mistakes. You should be able to find grace-filled accountability. In these groups, scriptures were studied and learning took place. And just like in the Bible studies and small groups that we've held here at the church, opinions and thoughts were shared. Understandings around the scriptures were varied, but, but that is the dynamic spirit of this kind of faith development. You and I might hear the same scripture reading, but because we bring our own intellect and our own experience to the study, we can interpret it in different ways. We may challenge one another, which is not a bad thing. As scripture says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Taken in its most literal form, this means that in our communal study, we bring out the best in one another. We help one another improve as we collectively learn. This idea plays itself out in all aspects of our lives. I mean, think about it. Uh, in everyday tasks, when, when we're small, we work under the guiding eye of our parents. As they see ways we can improve in doing something, they suggest small adjustments or maybe even large adjustments to make us better. That's how iron sharpens iron. In school, in the learning environment, we learn collectively under the guidance of the teacher who breaks down difficult concepts so that we can understand. That same teacher can also challenge us when we're not working up to our potential. Iron sharpens iron. In college, oftentimes we seek out study groups with our peers because it's often easier to process all of that rapidly incoming information collectively. Though we may be individually responsible for our work, it's easier to learn and to walk with others because iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. Today, we enter into the second week in this sermon series talking about practices within fruitful congregations. Last week, we laid the framework for this study. This week, we'll talk about chapter four of the book, the practice of intentional faith development. We are reminded in our reading that vibrant churches are made up of vibrant people. This chapter reminds us of the foundational principle that leads to vibrant people, intentional faith development. In all areas of our lives, we are called to live our best lives. And I believe that, that the majority of us are really, really trying to do this. For the most part, I believe that we try to be good people. We try to live healthy lives. We try to make good moral choices. We try to have healthy relationships. We try to be good parents. We try to be good friends and good neighbors. But by the size of the self-help self 
self-help section at the bookstore and the number of self-help books available on Amazon, you can assume that we are very interested in being the best version of ourselves that we can be. But too often, as Christians, we overlook the basic practice of faith development. We take care of our health, we try to eat healthy, take our vitamins, get our sleep, go to Planet Fitness, take care of our physical health, but do we ever consider our spiritual health? Why is it different? Why is it so easy to let that area slide? It shouldn't be. Just as we need to care for our physical health, we need to care for our spiritual health. Just as we need to build our physical muscles, we need to build and strengthen our spiritual muscles. That is what intentional faith development is about. And just as Jesus modeled how we should care for one another, Jesus also modeled how we should care for ourselves. Jesus' own spiritual life was both individual and communal. Jesus prayed alone and with others, even teaching others how to pray. Jesus taught small and large groups and counseled individuals. I want you to note, however, that Jesus did not set up shop and ask others to make the pilgrimage to him. He went to where the people were. And through his life with others, he modeled what our life and ministry should look like. Remember, we're all called to be ministers. Jesus ate with people, walked with them. He celebrated with them. He corrected them. He healed them. He taught them. He loved them. He provided for them and ultimately sacrificed for them. And he did it all within community. He gathered with his own small group of disciples to live and learn. The call on their lives is the call on our lives as modern day disciples to live face to face and faith to faith. You may say, fine pastor, I get that we're supposed to be intentional about faith development, but I don't even know what that is. You might feel about faith development the way I felt about Planet Fitness. And just as my fitness consultant stepped forward last week to fill in the gaps in my knowledge and to offer to walk with me on my journey, now it's my turn. I'm here to fill in the gaps for you when it comes to faith formation. You may think of faith formation as simply Sunday morning worship, Sunday morning Sunday school, maybe Wednesday evenings. You may think only of Sunday school or midweek youth programming, youth group, a lot of youth in there. What about the adults? What if I told you that, yes, faith development happens there, but also in so many other places? Faith development can happen anywhere two or three gather. Sound familiar? Faith development can happen anywhere you are intentional about opening yourself up to the idea of it. Faith development has and can happen in the church kitchen while preparing mission meals or community meals. As folks gather to feed the sheep, as Jesus commanded, faith stories can be shared, relationships can be made and deepened, and God can be glorified through the witness and the work. Faith development can happen in mommy and me groups, 
Groups can gather and let children play as moms share a time of devotion and discussion. Faith development can happen at the coffee shop when discussion questions are shared over steaming hot cups of coffee. Faith development happens when you are part of a church choir. As you sing the timeless hymns, you hear the stories of Jesus, relationships are developed, and faith grows. Faith development does happen through structured youth ministry, like youth fellowship, youth club, vacation Bible school. Faith develop also happens at upward ball games, in dart ball and softball leagues, through bowling teams. It can happen in quilting or crochet or, or any hobby groups. I heard a pastor recently talk about Dog Park Church. His host, his church hosts this Dog Park Church where this gentleman takes his dog that he loves to the dog park and they invite others to read a devotional together as their dogs play. Jesus taught us and Jesus showed us that faith development can happen anywhere. Scripture said, anywhere, two or three are gathered in my name. Anywhere. There are all sorts of new expressions of faith communities that are cropping up all around the world. There's an actual movement of faith communities that originated in England, and it's called Fresh Expressions. Fresh Expressions is beginning to flourish here in the United States, and it's made up of people who gather in faith communities in more non-traditional settings. They may not be in the church, but they are acting as the church. They're gathering in small groups and studying the word, being taught, enjoying fellowship, eating, praying with and for one another. So often we don't say we have time for intentional faith development. We don't have time to attend Bible study. We don't have time for a small group. And I get it, we're all busy. But it's vital that we make time to deepen our faith. We make time for the things that are important to us. Faith development doesn't have to be another commitment on the calendar. It doesn't have to be something that you go to. It can come into your life where it is. When I said I knew I should go to Planet Fitness, you told me how important it was to me, and now it's my turn. So based on your own advice to me, you need to go. And don't start Bible study and then stop. Don't just go once or for a month and then don't go again. Find an accountability person. Find someone to study with you. And then find the place in your life that's open to add to. If your kids have practice, you know there are other Christian parents that are dropping off kids at practice. Gather, gather for a few minutes for a devotion. The important things are easier to accomplish if you have a buddy. Start meeting a friend for coffee and, and discuss a devotional together. Get your friend group together. Let your kids hang out while you talk about your faith journey and while you pray for one another. Get together with the guys for the game, but come a half an hour early and have a discussion about being a modern-day disciple. We make time for the things that are important to you. We know what we need to do. We just have to go do it. Amen, friends.